return is very close And so you better be believing that our God is an awesome God Our God is an awesome God Welcome to a service at Holy Life Tabernacle in Brookings, South Dakota. We are proclaiming the good news of Jesus Christ. Now let's go into the sanctuary and here's today's message. Shall we bow our head for a word of prayer? Heavenly Father, we are grateful tonight. We give you praise. We honor your name for our lives, for protection, for deliverance, O oh Lord, even from the hands of the enemy. Thank you that this day we are seated in your presence to hear of your word. We pray that minister to us, O oh God, in a powerful way. Help us, O oh God, to be strengthened and quickened by your word. May we be transformed, O oh God, true and true. Before we leave this place, let us be blessed. That all glory and honor be given to your name. Use me as a vessel, O oh Lord, that I will ascribe all glory to your name in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you. Uh, we bless God for tonight. I'd like to appreciate Pastor Dave and Pastor Randin, Mama Jeannie, for the opportunities they give to us to minister the Word of God. We don't take it lightly at all. You know, we, we see it as, as a work for the Lord. And anytime we are asked to share the Word of God, we don't see it as a burden. We see it rather as a way to minister God's Word. And we are glad. God richly bless you so much. And doing this, I've seen myself also grow over the years. So God richly bless you so much. I also thank God for the wonderful things he's doing in this church. You know, we, we are actually in a season of miracles. God is doing so many wonderful things, you know. Mind-blowing. Yes, he's moving. Mind-blowing miracles, healings, and all, all that. And I just want you to know that it's not only healings. You know, God is moving in individual lives, in our jobs, in our schools, in our careers. God is doing so many wonderful things personally in my life. And I believe that is because this church is alive <clears throat> and God is actually moving in this place. So if you are listening to me and you don't have a place of fellowship, I recommend HLT, Holy Life Tabernacle, to you. It's a church that is alive, God is moving, and a church that is alive is worth the drive. So God richly bless you so much. And we thank God for protecting us from the dangerous windstorms. Um, I, I, I give God the glory that everyone is alive. And our, our power is back. So tonight, just God laid a word on my heart to share with you. And it is, guard your heart. Guard your heart. So we read Proverbs chapter 4, verse 23. So keep your heart with all diligence. For out of it spring the issues of life. Amen. So, you know, today, um, Pete was talking about how important the liver is. You know, it's the largest organ in the body, the liver. And it, it plays a very crucial role, you know. But, you know, when you read scripture, the Bible talks about the members of the body. That all the members of the body are very important because they help each other, you know, to work out. And, and medically speaking, arguably, one of the most important organs in the body is the heart, you know. And it, it actually nourishes all other organs with oxygen. You know, it carries oxygenated blood to all other organs and make sure that all these organs will, you know, will work. And, and, and sometimes when, when there is low oxygen in the blood, you know, medically, the right part of the heart will take you know, this low oxygen from the organs, brings it to the heart, 
It takes it to the lungs, and the lungs infuse oxygen in there. The heart takes it back through the left part, and then it sends it to all other parts of the body, all other organs, because every organ needs oxygen to work out. So it looks like it's more or less like a central organ in the body. So it's very, very important. And without the heart functioning, there'll be multiple organ failures because other organs depend on it. So when you read, you know, statistics show that the leading cause of death is actually heart disease, you know, followed by cancer and all that. So it makes the heart a very, very important organ. And this is medically speaking. So when you come spiritual, when it comes to spiritual things, the heart is also very important. The heart is the greatest asset of the believer, you know. And when you read scriptures, Bible talks about the fact that the heart, you know, encompasses so many things. It actually encompasses the three components of the soul, which is the mind. You know, when you read, when you read um, Matthew chapter 9, verse 4, Bible says something. It says that, but Jesus, knowing their thoughts, said, why do you think evil in your hearts? Why do you think evil in your hearts? Other versions say, why do you think evil thoughts in your heart? So the mind is actually the part, a part of the heart. The mind is actually the part of the heart. This, this scripture came when Jesus Christ, you know, went to his hometown. And Bible says that they brought a paralyzed man on a mat to him, to heal. And when the people brought this man, Jesus saw how great their faith was. And then Jesus Christ said to the paralyzed man, that, Take heart, son. Your sins are forgiven. And when Jesus Christ said that, the, the teachers of the law, the Pharisees, became a bit angry. And they were saying that this man is blaspheming. How can he forgive somebody of their sins? And the Bible says that because Jesus is Lord, even though he didn't you know, literally see them talking, he could perceive that they were talking about what he said. And then he was telling them, why are you thinking, thinking evil thoughts in your mind? You know, When you read somewhere in the book of Genesis, when God created man, and then the Bible said that man increased. The Bible said that the sins of man continue to abound. And when you read the Genesis chapter 6, verse 5, the Bible says that, he said that wickedness of man, you know, abounded on earth. And God said that every intent of the thought of their heart was wicked. Every intent of the thought of their heart was wicked. The Bible said that as a man thinketh in his heart, so he is. So you see, their mind is actually used for thinking. But when you look at these scriptures we've read, it looks as if it is talking about the heart. Meaning that the heart, the mind is actually part of the heart. I just want to draw, you know, some spiritual importance of the heart and why we need to actually guard our hearts. When you read Acts chapter 11 verse 23, there was a great persecution in the early church. Bible says that, you know, when you read scriptures, Bible says that Stephen was stoned to death. And after he being stoned to death, there was great persecution among the believers. So they had to run for their lives. The Bible said that they scattered all over the place. And when any city or any town they went, they didn't keep mute. The Bible said that they kept on ministering the gospel. They kept on sharing the message of Christ. And the Bible said that so many people were, you know, were saved. And this news got to the apostles in Jerusalem. And especially they heard of what was going on in Antioch, that God was saving so many people, so many believers had come to the fold, and they wanted to really confirm whether this was true. So the Bible said that they dispatched Barnabas to find out what was going on in Antioch. And when Barnabas got there, when you read the scripture, the Bible said that when he got there, said that when he came and had seen the grace of God, he was glad and encouraged them 
all that with and encourage them all that with purpose of heart they should continue with the Lord. He encouraged them with that with purpose of heart they should continue with the Lord. You know, here we are talking about purpose. You know, when you purpose in your heart, what it means is that you have actually decided strongly to do something. And that is actually the exercise of the will. So we are talking about the will here. The will is part, you know, the soul actually controls the will. And, and we are talking about the fact that the will is also the part of the heart. You know, so when you purpose in your heart to do something, it is actually an exercise of your will. And here the Bible is saying that the will, you know, the purpose, the resolve to do something is actually a component of the heart. Now let's look at emotions. The heart also encompasses the emotions. In John chapter 16 verse 22, Jesus speaks to the disciples. You know, this was the scripture where he was telling them about the fact that he's about to leave them. He's going to ascend to his father. He's going to be, you know, beaten. He's going to be crucified. He's going to die on the third day. He will rise up. And when he rises up, he's going to go to his father. And then the disciples were sorrowful. And he said that it's expedient that I go. For if I do not go, the comforter wouldn't come. You know, and he told them about the ministry of the Holy Spirit, teaching them into all truth, you know, and all that. And even as he continued telling them, they were, they were sad. And then Jesus made a statement, said that, Therefore you now have sorrow, because he realized that their countenance was full of sorrow, because their master who has been with them, teaching them the word of God, you know, empowering them, is about to leave. But I will see you again, and your heart will rejoice. And your joy, no one will take from you. I pray that this evening, God will give you a joy that no one can take away from you. You know, so here we are talking about the heart that will rejoice. You know, rejoicing is a form of expression of an emotion. You know, so if the heart rejoices, it means that the emotions is actually part of the heart. Now, the last one I will add is the conscience. The conscience. Hebrews chapter 10 verse 22. Hebrews chapter 10, verse 22. Bible says that, Let us draw near with a true heart, in full assurance of faith, having our hearts sprinkled from an evil conscience, and our bodies washed with pure water. You know, having our hearts sprinkled from an evil conscience. When we talk about conscience, it's what makes us know what is right and wrong. You know, when we do something that is wrong, our conscience prompts us and tells us that what we are doing is not right. We should desist from it. You know, and it, it tells us about the fact that the heart, you know, is, is, spring, is cleansed. The conscience of the heart. So our conscience is actually also part of the heart. So all that I'm just trying to say is that the heart is very crucial in the life of the believer. Your emotions, you know, your mind, your conscience, and even your will is actually controlled or found in the heart. And that is why it is very expedient that as a believer, we guard our hearts. So it actually means that our heart or the state or the condition of our heart defines our personality. The state of our, of our heart actually defines the actions that we do. Every action anybody, you know, exhibits, anything anybody does, you know, is a reflection of the state or the condition of the heart of the person. That is why in Luke chapter 6 verse 45, Bible says that a good man out of the treasure, treasures of his heart brings out good things. The evil man out of the evil treasure of his heart, brings what evil. For out of the abundance of the heart, his mouth speaks. So, so everything we do, if, if we have a good heart, we we'll demonstrate good life. If our heart is corrupted, if our heart is not 
you know, encapsulated or taken over by the Holy Spirit, our deeds will show that God does not live in us. So the heart of the believer is very, very important. That is why some people use curse words. That's why some people say things that, that beats their mind as a believer. It tells you about the condition of their heart. It tells you who occupies their heart. It tells you who controls their heart. And when you read further, the Bible even talks about the fact that out of the heart proceeds evil thoughts. Out of the heart proceeds murder. Out of the heart proceeds adultery. Out of the heart proceeds fornication. So everything you see is actually, you know, reflective back to the heart. So the state of the heart of the believer is very, very important. We live in a recent generation where the enemy has taken over the hearts of so many people. Things happen and sometimes you ask yourself, why would somebody do this? You know, you hear of mass shootings. People go to malls and just take guns and they just, you know, shoot people. And as a believer, because your heart is, you know, taken over by God, taken over by the Holy Spirit, who is controlling your emotions, who is controlling your mind, who is controlling your will and all that, so there are some things you cannot do, you wonder, why would somebody do this? It tells you that the devil has taken over their hearts. And everything that they are doing is not from God. It is the devil that is controlling their emotions. It is the devil that is controlling their mind. It is the devil that is controlling their will. Everything they are doing is not controlled by God. And that is why as believers, as children of God, each and every time, like David, said, I create in me a clean heart and renew a right spirit within me. Each and every time we trust and pray to God that he keeps our heart clean. His spirit dwells in us and controls our lives. You know, recently I was watching YouTube and this week the news that was making waves in Ghana, my home country, was a taxi driver who, who found um, some money in his taxi. Apparently a passenger who boarded his taxi left, for, forgot and left the money in the car and he returned it back to the lady. And I think it was 8,400 Ghana cities. That's like a little, a little over $1,000, you know. It may not be so much money here, but in Ghana, it's, it's so much money, you know. And, and it was making airwaves because, like, the people, people saw that act, that deed as, like, an angelic deed, a divine deed. Nobody in that economy, nobody in that system will return such a huge amount of money. And, and in Ghana, most taxi drivers are, like, low-class low people. They don't have money. Most often, they, they are not driving their own cars. They are driving people's cars. And unlike here in the U.S. where Uber and Lyft, your car should be like in a particular year or more, or it should be in a particular state or condition for you to be able to use it for Lyft or Uber services. In Africa, you see some of the taxis and you, you realize that it's really rickety. You know? and, and I was watching the news and I looked at the kind of taxi he was driving, you know, and it was not actually his own car. He had a master who owned the car, the taxi. See, he was just driving, making money, giving the sales to the owner, and then the owner will also give him, you know, a letter. And that was not his full-time job. He had a job he was doing. Apparently, his job was not fetching him so much money, so he drove the taxi at night. But then, he was a Christian. And because he knew that that money did not belong to him, God dwelled in his heart. You know, so he returned the money, and... I, you know, I was discussing with my wife and I was saying, it, it should come naturally that it's not your money. You should definitely return it. But apparently the whole world doesn't see it that way. Because the heart is corrupted. The devil has taken over the minds, the emotions of people. People really need money. So this is like a blessing in disguise for them. And because of that, the vice president of the Republic of Ghana 
gave him um, almost three times that amount of money. And people have volunteered to buy him a new car for him to use. And he's, give, he's, you know, he's giving interviews in so many radio stations. Everybody wants to interview him. People want to know his life, his upbringing, what kind of home he comes from. Because everybody is surprised by that kind of act. But literally speaking, that should be the way we all have to live. If our heart is, is governed by the Holy Ghost, if our life you know, is led by God, this is how it's supposed to be. But now anyone who does this in this era, in this generation, is seen as an angel. And because of that, this guy is like, you know, the popular man in Ghana. You know, so it's, 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 it's an issue. And it's our prayer that God helps us. It's our prayer that God helps us. So, so our heart as believers is one of our greatest assets. And we need to guard, you need to guard it. It's not just a muzzle that is beating, you know, in our chest, supplying. It is actually very valuable. And that is why when anybody comes into Christ, the heart becomes the portal for the, the Holy Spirit, you know, to thrive in the body of the individual. You know, God actually makes his seat and establishes his kingdom in the heart of the believer. So Bible says that with our mouth, we confess that Jesus is Lord, you know. And then when you believe with your heart that God raised him from the dead, you'll be saved. And when you read, we read somewhere in the book of Ephesians, you know, there was this prayer Paul was praying for the church in Ephesus. He was saying that, that Christ will dwell in your heart and that you'll be rooted and grounded in love. So, so, so it means that our heart is actually the abode of God. So when God actually resides in us, when we are saved, you know, what he does is that now he takes control of our lives. And now he controls our emotions. He controls our mind. He controls our will. We begin to do that, the things that are right. So just imagine if God is not in our heart. So without the Holy Spirit, without God, we'll always be pursuing things that are not right. Things that are not good. And it's our prayer that God will help us. And, and as much as God always desires to reside in the heart of the believer, the enemy is always a usurper. The enemy always wants what God wants. The enemy always wants to find himself in the place, in the seat of God. And that has been his work right from the beginning. Wanting to usurp God in, in heaven. And then he was cast down. And now that God has chosen you and I, you know, from nowhere, he has made us, you know, his children. And now he wants to dwell in our hearts so that we can live and exhibit his glory on earth. The enemy also wants to, you know, turn all these things upside down by also having his way in the heart of the believer. So it's like a battle between light and darkness. And that is why as children of God, we always need to guard our hearts. We need to guard our heart with the word of God. You know, so, so the devil is always on the alert. He wants to, he's a thief. Bible says that he came to steal, to kill, and to destroy. And then he wants to hijack the heart of the believer. He wants to establish his kingdom so that the heart will always be promoting all the evil things that we mention in scriptures. And, and, and that is what the enemy does. So we ought to always guard our heart. Now, how does the enemy steal our heart? How does the enemy, you know, infiltrate our heart? How does he find his way in our heart to control our mind? And once our minds, you know, are controlled by the enemy, we lose the battle. And, and, and I think I've mentioned it somewhere in the book of Second Samuel chapter 15, verse 1 to 6. It's actually a story in the Old Testament, but it tells you about how always the enemy wants, you know, to take the heart of the believer. You know, so after this, it happened that Absalom provided himself with chariots and horses and 50 men to run before him. Now Absalom would rise early and stand beside the way, of the, the way to the gate. So it was, whenever anyone who had a lawsuit came to the king 
for a decision that Absalom will call to him and say, What city are you from? And he would say, Your servant is from such and such a tribe of Israel. Then Absalom will say to him, Look, your case is good and right, but there is no deputy of the king to hear you. Moreover, Absalom will say, Oh, that I were made judge in the land, and everyone who has any suit or cause will come to me, then I will give him justice. And so it was, whenever anyone came near to bow down to him, that he would put out his hand and take him and kiss him. In this manner, Absalom acted toward all Israel who came to the king for judgment. So Absalom stole the hearts of the men of Israel. Amen. So, so this, this, story, this story, you know, typifies, you know, God and then the devil, you know. And this talks about Absalom, who was the son of David. And when you read scriptures, earlier verses talked about the fact that he killed his brother. He murdered his brother, Amnon, because his brother raped his sister. And because of that, David was angry at him, you know, and David wanted to kill him. So he had to run away for like three years in a, in a city called Gesha. And after three years, you know, David being a loving father, you know, invites him back. He said he had forgiven him for everything that he had done. He should come back to his home. Even when he came to Israel, David didn't want to see him. So he, he stayed in Israel two years prior to David seeing him. Because David was still, you know, trying to battle it out in his heart. Should I forgive this man or not? You know, but eventually he was a loving father. And then he invited him back, you know, to his home, to the palace. And this actually talks about the love of God. You know, God loves us so much that even when we were sinners, you know, he died for us. Christ came to die for us. So, it doesn't matter the nature of your sin. You know, it doesn't matter the magnitude of your sin. God forgives. You know, people like Pastor Dave was talking about, Pastor Rani was talking about, like today people think that it's because of certain sins that people do. That is why they are being afflicted by so many. You know, God actually loves his people. He always wants to save. He always has an outstretched arm that is loving, that is warming, always wanting to receive. So if you are hearing me and you think your sins are so huge, and that God cannot forgive you. This is also an arena to give your life to Christ because he loves you. God loves you. He wants to save you. So David was a loving father, embraced, you know, his son. Now what happened was that his, apparently his son had not changed. So he wanted to take, you know, steal the hearts of the people of Israel from David. He wanted the people to, you know, um, love him more than the king, David. So Bible says that, Every morning he will, he will come with chariots, he will come with 50 men, stand, you know, at the entrance of the city gate. And when people from other tribes are coming, you know, with law cases, lawsuits, you know, to seek counsel from David, he'll be there and then he'll be asking them questions, you know, drawing all the attention toward himself. And, 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 and that is what the enemy does, you know, always wanting to take the hearts of God's people. Yeah. So it doesn't matter whether you've been saved for like 50 years or for 40 years, you always ought to guard your heart because he's always looking for a way to infiltrate your heart. That is why it's so common that people will say, oh, this man, I know him. He used to preach the word of God. He used to be a very good man. What happened? All of a sudden, he's rather known for the negative. It is because the devil has found a way into his heart. And that is why we always have to, you know, guard our hearts. So one of the things the enemy does is actually he uses distraction. He uses distraction to steal the heart of, you know, of, of, of people from God. You know, he makes every effort to change our focus. 
Bible says in the book of Hebrews 12, 12, 1 to 2, it said that since we are surrounded by so great a cloud of witness, we should lay aside every weight, you know, that entangles us and run with endurance the race that is set ahead of us, you know, you know, and, 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 and looking onto Jesus, fixing our eyes onto Jesus, the utter and finisher of our faith. So most often, the enemy wants people to take their eyes off God. And normally he uses distraction. During the pandemic, so many people, you know, stop serving God. The pandemic, you know, looks so huge, it looks so scary, that people actually, you know, took their eyes off Jesus, and they were actually paying attention to the statistics on TV, paying attention to um, how, how, how deadly the virus was, forgetting the fact that the God we serve is much powerful than this virus. So he always uses things, sometimes challenges in our lives, to distract us. You know, like Peter, Bible says that when Jesus, you know, encouraged him to come and walk on the waters, just when he fixed his eyes on Jesus, he was walking smoothly. But just when he took his eyes off Jesus and was looking at the storms that were raging, he began to, uh, to sink. And that is what the enemy does, to take our eyes off God, to distract us. What Absalom was doing was that he guarded men. He had chariots. He had 50 men. He came in grandeur. You know, people see him and then they try to just oppose him and guard. They, they, and, and David, they, want, they, they saw him as more, you know, glamorous and more powerful than even the King David. He was distracting them. When you read scriptures in 2 Samuel chapter 14, verse 25, Bible talked about the look of Absalom. Bible says that, you know, in all of Israel, Bible said that there was no one who was praised for his physical appearance than Absalom. He was such a beauty to behold. Bible says that, said that from the crowns of his head to the sole of his feet, there was no blemish. So look at this man standing at the city gate. You know, everyone who wants to come to King David, he tries to, you know, win the heart of these people. And that is what the enemy does, to distract us, to draw attention. You know, you know, he uses pleasures, he uses our work, he uses materialism. You know, instead of we having spending time to even study the word of God, he diverts our attention. You know, you know, there was, recently I was battling with this because sometimes you wake up and you want to read the word of God, and then there's an article, a scientific article also waiting for you. And then the enemy will tell you, Don't you think you should be reading this article? You have to complete this. Why would you want to read the Bible? And and funnily enough, when you want to read the Bible, you you suddenly want to fall asleep. When you are reading these articles and all these things, like you are fired up and you don't want to sleep. You know, and these are some of the schemes of the enemy to distract us. To distract us. You know, we have to study the word of God. People wake up instead of holding the word of God, we hold on to our phones. These are some of the distractions the enemy uses, you know, to, to steal our hearts. The enemy also uses deception and lies. The enemy is a liar from day one. You know, in the verse 3, he said that anytime they want to come, you know, to the king, what Absalom does in the verse 3, he said he will tell them that your case looks good. You know, your case is right. But there is no one, you know, appointed by the king to handle your case. And that was a lie. That was a lie. The king was always ready to listen to his people. The king was always ready to listen to the grievance of his people. But he was just telling them lies that there is no one there. There is no one there to, you know, deal with your case. And that is lies. That is deception. And that is one of the key tools the enemy uses, you know, to steal the heart of people. You know, when you read John chapter 8, verse 44, Bible talks about the fact that he's a liar. Bible talks about the fact that he's the father of all lies. Bible also talks about the fact that his native language, that is the devil, his native language is lies. So, right from the beginning, you know, he lied to man. 
what God says about you, he'll tell you that that is not what God says about you. Every good thing, every good word of God concerning your life, the enemy will turn it around to put fear and panic in you, such that your heart will sway away from your God. You know, he said that if he were a king or a judge, you know, he would have dealt with their cases and made their cases. You know, even if people were guilty, he would make sure that their cases are right. And that is a lie. And that is a lie. He will tell you that there is no need to be a Christian. He will tell you that church is boring. You shouldn't go to church. Knowing very well that when you come to the house of God, you receive the word of God that nourishes you. That keeps your heart, you know, closer to God. He will tell you that. Now, now people think church is, is an avenue for looting money. They have put every church in that category. Nobody wants to go to church any longer. In Africa and other places, people always bash the church because of some few, you know, charlatans. But the church is actually a good place. But the devil always sway you away from the right place. You know, in challenging times, he will tell you that God does not hear your prayer. But that is not the word of God. The word of God says that call on me in times of need. And I will hear you. I will listen to you. And I will even show you mysteries that you do not know about. That is the word of God. But the enemy will tell you a lie that God does not hear your prayers. Because if God hears your prayers, he would have healed you. He would have, you know, fixed your case like a long time ago. These are lies of the enemy. The devil will tell you that keep sinning. Keep doing the wrong thing. Because God is merciful. God is gracious. But God's word says that because grace abounds, should we continue to sin? No. Grace does not give us the impetus to continue sinning. And that is the devil. So the devil will keep on putting lies in your, in your, in your, in your heart. He said that God, God, God is the cause of all troubles. God is the cause of all burdens, all difficulties. And that is not true. Because the Bible said that every good and perfect gift comes from God. That is the word of God. And then the enemy will use lies. So gradually, you see, the heart of the believer begins to sway. People who have served God for so many years in the midst of, you know, in the, in the, in the midst of adversities you know, and, and challenges, the devil begins to whisper so many lies, and eventually he steals their heart from God. But I pray that God becomes our helper. You know, he will tell you that God does not have any good plan for you. But the Bible says that he knows the plans he thinks towards us. Plans of good, not evil. To give us a future and an expected end. But he will make a believer feel like he's not worth it. You know, he makes a believer feel like he doesn't measure up. He makes a believer feel like the person is not in the plans of God. But that is outside the word of God. So he uses deception. He also uses, you know, distraction and then lies. But, but thanks be to God that we are not ignorant about the devices of the enemy. And, and that is why you and I have to guard our hearts. And one of the ways we can guard our hearts, you know, and stay right with God is that we allow the word of God to abound in our hearts. The word of God is actually the antidote to overcoming the enemy, infiltrating the heart of the believer. So when you read Colossians chapter 3, 16, the Bible says that Paul was telling the church in Colossae that they should allow the word of God to abide in them richly. They should allow the word of God to abide in them richly. You should be loaded with the word of God. In season and out of season, study the word of God. The written word of God. Find yourself among people who share the word of God. It builds you up. It forms a shield around your heart. And always keeps you at peace with God. In Psalm 119 verse 9 to 11, the Bible says something. It says that Psalm 119 verse 9 to 11. The Bible talks about the fact that how can a young man keep his ways right? If you have that scripture, you can project it for me. Psalm 119 verse 9 to 11. How can a young man stay on the path of purity? You know, And I, I remember... I remember some time ago, we were reading this scripture, and one elderly person in our church back home said, oh, 
This is for young men. It's not for elderly people. <laughs> God was talking to young men. <laughs> How can a young man cleanse his ways? So you see, it, 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 it applies to everyone. You know, in the eyes of God, whether you are old or you are young, you are a young man. <laughs> yeah, it applies to everyone. And I believe that this was the road young men because mostly when people get older, they begin to reason well, you know. They don't have time for so many things. The younger people feel like they have more time. They can spend their time on luxurious things and pleasures and all that because they have more time. Maybe that is why young. But everyone is a young man or a young woman in the presence in the presence of God. It doesn't matter your age, you know. It doesn't matter your age. He says that how can a young man cleanse his ways by taking heed according to your word? With my whole heart, I have sought you. Oh, let me not wander from your commandment. Your word I have hidden in my heart that I might not sin against you. So it's actually the, the word of God, you know, that actually forms a shield that covers our heart and prevents the enemy from entering our heart. The word of God always counteracts the enemy's invasion. You know, the word of God is, is, is for offense, is for offense and it's also for defense. You know, when you read the book of Ephesians, the Bible calls it the sword of the spirit. You know, we use the sword to attack. It enables us to face the enemy. And that was what Jesus Christ used, you know. When, when Adam failed, Adam and Eve failed in the Garden of Eden, Jesus used the word of God. Even though he's the word, he used the word of God as an offensive weapon against the enemy. Turn the stone into bread and he will tell you this is the word of God. Bow before me and he will tell you this is the word of God. You know, it is the word of God we use against all the negative, you know, things of the enemy. When, 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 when Ezekiel was brought into the valley of dry bones, you know, and then he asked God, that can, can, can these dry bones come to life, you know? And, 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 and he said that, God, you are the one who knows, you know? And then God told him to tell these dry bones to come alive. He said that dry bones, hear the word of the Lord. So the word of God is powerful. The word of God carries authority. The word of God counteracts the invasion of the enemy. You know, Bible talks about the shield of faith. You know, the shield of faith is to, to defend, is to protect, you know, and, and you would not have strong faith without the word of God. Bible says that faith cometh by hearing, and hear the word of God. So it's the word of God that builds our faith. When the enemy comes with those negative things to swear our minds from God, it is the word of God, you know, that makes us know who God is, you know, and speak, what the, speak the mind of God to that situation. That is the word of God. So we ought to actually make time for the word of God if we really want to, you know, keep our hearts from the invasion of the enemy. If you want to guard our hearts, we should have a consistent Bible study life. We should desire to study the word of God more. The more we study the word of God, the more our faith is built. The more we study the word of God, the more we carry arsenals to overcome the works of the enemy. We will not, we will not fall into depression. We will not feel we are, we are failures. We will not feel like we don't carry enough blessings because we know what God says concerning our life through his word. The word of God is very, very powerful. And, 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 any, the, what the enemy will want to do is to take the word of God away from you. He would want to, you know, keep you away from studying the word of God. When you read the book of Luke chapter 8 verse 12, maybe I'll end with this. You know, when, when the sower went to, you know, sow some seeds, Bible said that some of the seeds fell by the wayside, you know. And then when he was trying to give an explanation behind that, that parable, he said that those seeds, you know, stood for the people who received the word of God, you know, and then the devil takes away the word of God from them, lest they believe and they are saved. So always the enemy wants to take away the word of God from the believer. Always the enemy wants to deny the believer 
you know, from really, you know, understanding the word of God, the potency of the word of God. Because he knows that once we have that, we are armed enough to shield our hearts. We are armed enough to live our life for God. And that he would always want to take the word of God away from us. Lest we believe and we are saved. So, the message is, let us pride ourselves with the word. Let us study the word of God. Let us always desire to hear the word of God. Let us always, you know, meditate on the word of God. Let us always make time for the word of God. Let us look around, look into our lives, you know. Anything that is preventing us from really studying the word. Anything that is preventing us from really, you know, meditating on God's word, you know. If you have studied yourself as a believer, you realize that the, the, the times you study the word of God more, the times you pray more, those are the times you really experience the power of God in your life. And those are the times you see the enemy so far away from you. Because your mind, your emotions, your will, everything that is of the heart is actually, you know, held with the word of God. So it is my prayer that God helps us. That each and every time we would want to know the state and the condition of our heart. And to be able to know that the state and the condition of our heart is actually good and in right standing with God, it's also dependent on the amount of God, the word of God we have in us. So we pray that God helps us, that we love his word. God helps us, not only to love his word, but to understand his word. And above all, God should help us so we can appropriate his word in our lives. Because there are times, situations come, we've studied the word of God, but we fail to apply the word of God. And that is where the enemy, you know, has his way. But God should make us people who practicalize his word. And then we shall always be living a life of miracles. So the word of God for us tonight is guard your hearts. Always study the word of God. Because the word of God is a strong weapon of the believer. May the Lord help us. May the Lord bless us. May the Lord strengthen us. May he open the eyes of our understanding. To know his word more and more. So that each and every time we will keep our hearts at, at peace with him. May the Lord bless us for his word. In Jesus name. Amen. Amen. Bless you. Amen. If anyone wants prayer. God bless you. Amen. Thank you for listening to this inspirational message. We trust that you were encouraged in your faith. For additional information or resources, please contact the church at 605-692-4616. You can email us at holylife at brookings.net or visit our website at holylifetabernacle.com. If you're in the Brookings area, please stop by to visit a service. We are located at 241 Mustang Pass, just off Main Avenue South. Our service times are Sundays at 10 a.m. and 6.30 p.m., also Wednesday nights at 7. God bless you.